Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Inoculation. My name is Eva von Schaper. My name is Daiva Rebeczkaite. Daiva, what were we just listening to? Well, this was a news clip of Portuguese Prime Minister being confronted by anti-vaccination protesters. And some of them are carrying posters, read something like transhumanism, and there is something about 5G on them. Ah, this is happening in Portugal, isn't it? The most vaccinated European country? Yes, and that is what today's episode is about. Okay, excellent. So, let's start. Over the past months, we've been working on our analysis of elected politicians' tweets about vaccination in different European countries. And we picked Portugal as a case for a comparison. We thought such a highly vaccinated country will have a different political dynamic. So we also included it because it had elections in January this year. And so to be honest, what we expected to find was that we would see um, a smaller number of politicians uh, tweeting negatively about vaccines. And to some extent, that was true. But when we took a closer look, we were also really surprised about what we found. Let's look at our analysis to explain what we did. Okay, first what we did, we collected tweets from all of Portugal's sitting MPs. Those that had Twitter accounts. And, uh, you know, on this, we have to say that uh, uh, some of them didn't have Twitter accounts or some of them had accounts, but didn't tweet. Yeah, and that's fair enough. And it's uh, fair to say that that um, probably does influence uh, the results of our analysis. But we took Twitter and that's what we did in all European countries. So to have that consistency we accepted that we might be missing out on some MPs who don't tweet. So what we did, we analyzed the tweets three months before the election, um, and we only found 83 tweets mentioning vaccines. So to give you an idea of how much the politicians tweeted, uh, we turned the amount of their tweets into a sound signature. So if I was following the Portuguese political conversation about vaccines, this is how the different parties tweeting about vaccines would sound. The left block. The conservative People's Party. Chega, the far-right party. Liberal Initiative. Independence. People, Animals, Nature Party, the Communist Party, the Socialist Party, the Social Democratic Party, and the Free Party. Yes, there would be silence from some parties, 
which means that they didn't tweet about vaccination at all. But when we filtered out the tweets that got the most engagement, retweets and favorites, we could hardly believe what we saw, especially since Portugal is one of Europe's most vaccinated countries. Can you give me an example? So this is the most retweeted tweet and also one of the top most favorited. Chega vehemently rejects any mandatory imposition of the vaccine against COVID-19. We are regressing 80 years in Europe. Rights and freedoms are under serious threat, exclamation mark, end of quote. That's just one tweet. And also, we just heard that Chega only tweeted three times about vaccines. So how does that fit together? Only three times, but all of their tweets were quite popular. So here's another one. One day we have to walk with a star on the street saying vaccinated or unvaccinated. Respect people and their freedom of decision, exclamation mark, end of quote. Okay, so then we also looked at tweets that mentioned the coronavirus. Which tweet was the most popular? It read something like, have you seen that the number of new infections by COVID-19 always breaks records and exceeds red lines on the eve of the announcement of restrictive measures by the government? Isn't that a hell of a coincidence? Well, to me, that sounds a lot like a bit of a conspiracy theory. And can you, do we know how many people were tweeting about this? All these tweets that I've just translated were by the same person, Andrea Ventura, a former sports pundit who founded the Chega party and ran for presidential election last year. Until recently, he was the only representative of Chega in the Portuguese parliament. Right, but that's changed this year. After the recent election, there were 12 Chega MPs in parliament. Yeah, so we thought we will unpack the result a bit. Experts consider Chega a far-right populist party. And it's really new, established only in 2019. When I was reading up on this, I found an article in Nature from the year before. It stated that the authors saw four explanations for the lack of right-wing populism in Portugal. One is the low levels of Euroscepticism, uh, two, low immigration rates, three, lack of political space to develop, and four, lower engagement in communicating that same populism. The author said that these dynamics create a special balance and a rather specific political situation in Portugal. But they also said that this balance may be compromised if any of these dynamics or these four reasons suddenly change, uh, and I quote, potentially paving way for right-wing populists in Portugal to achieve more political prominence, end of quote. The authors predicted that a more robust and effective communication strategy well, could also bring more visibility to the far right. Or if the political establishment was um, seen to be failing to represent the will of the people. That's really interesting. So do you think it's fair to say that what the authors call Portugal's special balance uh, is no longer holding up? Well, uh, there are 12 far-right MPs now, uh, out of the 230 seats in the Portuguese parliament. The article is from uh, 2018, when there was no far-right representation in Portugal's parliament. Hmm, I think you're right. But so what actually did happen? So Euroscepticism didn't change. Uh, we didn't see a greatly changed levels of immigration, space to develop didn't change dramatically either in Portugal. So did the far right become so much better at communicating on social media? Maybe, but also it seems that the pandemic has helped them. 
Yeah, so to find out more, I took a look at a report uh, called The State of Hate by the London Hope Not Hate Foundation. Um, it was published in January of 2021. And they basically say that the Portuguese far right has been trying to take advantage of, and this is, I'm quoting this, discontent, resentment, and frustration caused by the lockdown measures. So during last summer, the, the far-right party organized two demonstrations, according to the report, that were not overtly about COVID vaccination. And this then further opened the door to more far-right mobilizations um, organized by pandemic negationist movements that started being relatively frequent. Um, they had connections to Chega's officials and um, had links to similar movements in Spain. And uh, what I really think is interesting, they started with a couple of, a few dozen participants, and, and today, which means January 2021, there are hundreds of people. And, you know, as the lockdown and restrictions had more impact on small business owners, restaurant owners, uh, the far right has been trying to link itself to to protest against these measures. And Andre Ventura, Chega's leader, he was also uh, present in one of, in a restaurant sector protest. And um, what I also think is really interesting and seems to play into what we found, um, that there's been significant far-right mobilization on social media, uh, propagating conspiracy theories, propaganda, and fake news about the COVID-19 pandemic crisis, according to the report. And we find all the familiar keywords, you know, uh, 5G, globalist conspiracy, and uh, all the things that we know from other countries. So to figure it out, I called a Portuguese researcher Silvia Rock. Okay, so what, what did she tell you? I asked Silvia to define the far right in the Portuguese context. So uh, I'm Silvia Rock. I'm a researcher at the Center for Social Studies in the University of Coimbra, Portugal. And I've been studying, among other things, with a friend, with a colleague of mine, Rita Santos. We recently wrote a paper on the anti-gender, anti-feminist and anti-immigration positions from the far-right political parties in Portugal. So in Portugal, we have two, I consider that we have two far-right parties. One of them doesn't have many votes and has never achieved a seat in the parliament and we never saw it as a real threat. The problem is that uh, in, uh, in the last few years, this party, Chega, was created and some people tried to classify it just as a a right-wing populist party or a, a now a radical uh, right uh, party because of course they do, do not um, wrote in their principles you know, um, that they are racist, that they are xenophobic and extremely anti-feminist also. So they don't do uh, do it as uh, an openly conversation, naturally, but sometimes they bring this issue. So they keep uh, keep coming with these issues to the media, 
and, and actually perpetrating acts of racism, xenophobia, uh, etc. Ah, okay, something that's really important to note is that the Portuguese far right often copies ideas from other similar parties in Europe, uh, even if the situation on the ground is very, very different. Portugal has no big community uh, of refugees, you know? so uh, they usually prefer to go to other countries like Germany and England, France. Still, they repeat these European slogans as if we uh, lived in the same uh, situation, you know, of uh, plenty of refugees coming to Portugal. As they, so they assume that they are also protecting this sad um, European uh, way of living, European civilization against Islam. So we don't have a big, big uh, Muslim communities in Portugal. So they are very good strategically at pointing out some issue, uh, local issues, no? national issues, because they, they know they can use and have votes on that. And on, on the other hand, they also are very smart at joining uh, other European forces slogans and messages. So you can find that same messages in Vox in Spain, for instance. I asked Silvia what kind of people vote for the far right. From what I've read, they are mostly men, uh, young, um, with low uh, education, but not necessarily poor. It's what they call the, the disappointed with the globalization. Um, they're disappointed with the, the, the economy, they're disappointed with government. So what they do is to recollect all these disappointments and uh, grievances uh, to, um, to, um, to present themselves as the anti-systemic party, when in reality they are really part of the system, <laughs> because all those uh, directors and those uh, politicians in charge of the, the party come either from uh, center-right uh, ring, uh, PSD, uh, the, Demo the Christian Democrats, CDS, they were previously in other right-wing uh, democratic parties. Um, they, in others, come from the very, the orthodoxy of the church, uh, others from evangelical uh, churches. So that's a, a great mix there. And they have a lot of money. That's what we know. So going back to the Nature article that talked about the special Portuguese balance, um, is Chega so much better at social media than other parties? I think that they succeeded in presenting them as the victims of the system. So that's, that is attracting a lot of people. And they really use um, social networks to create this image of the leader uh, as sent by God, he, he, he thinks he was sent by God to save Portugal, you know, it's just, so they create this around the charismatic leader. They have a charismatic leader and then they circulate, everything circulates around him. I asked her about Chega's attitudes towards vaccination. The thing is that the party is, uh, 
The members of the party are not in agreement. Some of them are pro-vax and some of them are not. The leader has a very difficult task to present this publicly. So that's why uh, he is many times erratic and not very clear on what he's defending. So he was not vaccinated uh, and he got, got, um, got COVID-19 and then, and then on a debate with the actual prime minister, he, he, he told him that, okay, so maybe I'm going to be vaccinated, but they don't have um, uh, a strict uh, messages to send, but there are some small messages that are being sent by not vaccinating himself or uh, presenting very uh, many precautions, advising people to think uh, a little bit more about vaccinating the children. We tried to contact Andrea Ventura and the Chega spokesperson for an interview, but our messages went unanswered. Okay, so from what we know, they're not clearly anti-vaccine, but against vaccine documentation. Um, they're basically, typically, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but people. And parties like this coordinate their messages. They copied it from Bolsonaro uh, in Brazil. They copied it from Trump. So this is the, uh, a whole thing, no? a whole network of these kind of uh, far-right uh, parties uh, in, in many places and also in Europe. And, and yeah, he has invited uh, Matteo Salvini uh, for the Congress of the party, the, the party. He has invited Marine Le Pen also. Uh, he was traveling here with, uh, with her and presenting there. Uh, so yeah, of course he wants to, to be popular uh, with these leaders and to receive some support from them. And so this is what we know. Um, the far right is known for hostility towards minorities and migrants, um, and also for presenting itself both as a victim and as a defender of the common people. It doesn't have a clear stance on vaccination, but it likes to pose as as a protector of the people from restrictions related to vaccination. Would you say that that's a fair assessment? Exactly. I think we need to point out one important distinction here. When we started researching anti-vaccination movements, experts were telling us that we must distinguish between anti-vaxxers and vaccine-hesitant individuals. Vaccine-hesitant people might not be hostile to vaccines, but they may have some worries or doubts or... Maybe they think that certain vaccines may be good for others, but not for them specifically or their children. And I would now add that there's a third category, vaccine conspiracists. They may not communicate against vaccines as a medical product, but they base their strategy on claiming that governments, businesses and doctors are somehow conspiring against individual choice. I think this is at the heart of Ventura's top performing tweets. Mm -hmm. So so do you think that this is more uh, palatable to a highly vaccinated population like Portugal is rather than an outright anti-vaccination stance? To understand this better, I called a man who has read a lot of Andre Ventura for his master's thesis. My name is Daniel Garcia. I am a social psychologist and I'm currently doing a PhD 
in psychology, researching a political and media discourse. I'm studying in Sheffield Hallam University in the UK. Daniel read over 250 posts by Ventura on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram during the last month of the 2021 presidential campaign. Wow, that seems like a lot. Did he tell you how he decided to focus on Chega and Ventura? Let's hear from him. Portugal was known for being a country that in which far-right political parties never succeeded since democracy was installed again in 1974. And Chega was the first far-right political party to enter in the parliament. And Daniel agrees that Chega has mastered social media communication that is both passionate and reassuring. I think that one of the main issues was that the Chega party, they uh, a complete use of social media. And the kind of discourses they use is a direct message. It's not respectful about other people. It just says, these are the enemies, we are under attack. And another strategy that they are using and that probably helped them to gain support is that during the economic crisis in Portugal since 2010, they, the country were recovering, but there were some still some economical problems. The party take advantage of this situation, so they start offering a new interpretation of the of the social situation. So they were saying, "Yeah, we are not this good, but actually this is because we have this kind of groups in the country because politicians don't care about what they call the real Portuguese." Like if there were some people that are more Portuguese than other ones. So they start to promote a different narrative in which there are good people, there are the bad ones. And every situation that happened in the country, every negative event, for example, is framed according to this perspective. Oh, it seems like the algorithms seem to help them. Is that true? Social media for Ventura and this party, Chega, is like the perfect platform for this kind of party and its leader, because while traditional media, television, journals, newspapers have like editorial control, so they can like cut certain parts, present Ventura and the party in a certain way. On social media, they have the, the entire control of what they are promoting, what they want to say. They can freely attack certain groups that have been historically uh, attack in, in the past and they are considered like vulnerable groups. Certain parts of society can turn against these groups. So they find in social media like the free space to, to get to a lot of people without boundaries, controlling the narrative that they are promoting. And even when they are sanctioned because of what they are saying in social media, they present that as they are the ones who are being attacked. They are the ones who are being censored. Not because they are attacking others, but because the government don't want the party and Ventura to say this new narrative that they present as, as the truth. And Daniel also finds that Ventura benefited from ambiguity around the pandemic. The post I analyzed were those collected from the month prior to the presidential elections in 2021. So at the moment, they were not talking about the vaccines, but interestingly, this is like a, the strategy to, to when people are promoting or reproducing certain discourses that promote violence and exclusion, they tend to present their, themselves as polite person, like the one who 
embodies values, the, the best of the nation that is represented then. So he was like, oh, we have to respect the, the pandemic rules because we, we are good people, so we care about others. So at the beginning, he was not attacking the government because of the restrictions. But at the same time, he was saying that people who were struggling because of the restrictions was because the government didn't care about these people. With the working class that he says to represent, that he, he is the one, he is the face of all of them, even with, without them saying that he's their leader, he just assumed that role. He was playing in both sides at the moment. We have to follow the rules, but at the same time, the government is responsible for these people's problems because of the rules. The point is, vaccination policy is just one topic where, where they can oppose the government and claim that the government is conspiring against the people. In his thesis, Daniel wrote that, I quote, despite this self-victimization, Ventura defined himself repeatedly as being unstoppable, unshakable, and persistent in his purpose to rescue the pure Portuguese. Everything for him is like a, a huge disgrace. So everything that the government is doing or other parties are doing that are not close to Shega is a big disgrace. Everyone in the country is a disgrace. So when he posts those things on social media, it, a lot of people or agree with him, engage with comments or attacking what Ventura said. But this at the end creates more, more engagement. And probably this is why when he was the only member of Shega party in parliament, he was one of the most members appearing in the media and in social events. Everybody knew who was Ventura at the moment, and he was the only member of the party. Now they are 12. It's like the same voice, with, but with 12 different speakers. This is interesting. This very much seems to echo what we have in the Hope Not Hate report. Remember, this is from January 2021, so it's over a year old. Um, and they clearly say... Um, and I'm quoting this, hate speech normalizations by political actors, the intense diffusion of propaganda and social network disinformation may add fuel to the racist and far-right violent environment already seen in 2020. This context may benefit the creation of new movements and the extension of the far-right social base in Portugal. And before we leave, I just wanted to remind you that everything we talked about and links to our script will be added to our website so that you can find them if you want to take a look for yourself. We'll also add a transcript um, for those of you who prefer to read what's in the podcast than to listen. If you want to hear more stories about vaccine hesitancy, you can look up the inoculation wherever you'd like to listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter, Inoculated. You can find the link in our show notes. This investigation was supported by IG4EU. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And let us know what you think about this episode. Bye for now. Bye.